You're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped, guest episode number 399. They're thinking about the amount of shelf space they have in their store. They are thinking about what they will merchandise your products with to make a nice collection and display. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and I'm thrilled that you're joining me here today. We're expanding on our past conversations about wholesale. You may recall back in episode 387, we talked with Amber of Stockable. This is a platform specifically for handmade creators who want to get started in wholesale. If that's you, go back and listen since this is an opportunity that eases the startup jitters with this selling strategy. A lot of the steps are already done for you, which makes it a great place to quickly dive in. Referencing back to this episode got me to thinking about something. In these past seven years, we've covered a lot of ground. How to start and grow your business, stories from many of you who have done just that, how to choose and use social media sites, build your website. Oh my gosh, there is so much information here for you, but not necessarily easily at your fingertips. So I've created a tool for you that categorizes by topic the episodes of this podcast, but only the ones that stay relevant over time. Because yes, there are some from past years that just don't make sense for us anymore today. The world is changing so fast, right? You can use this tool to zero in on whatever topic you need at the moment. Do you want to hear from others in your industry specifically? How about details on Pinterest or setting up an email strategy? You can now easily find the right episodes and create your own priority listening roster. Consider this your Gift Biz Resource Center at a glance. It's a Google Sheet best viewable by your computer versus your phone. Make sure to look on the bottom where there are five separate sections for easy topic reference, kind of like chapters of a book. I've never seen another podcast do this, and I wish they would. It makes finding the shows that you need based on what you're working on right now so much easier. To access this free resource, go to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash topics. In our show today, you're also going to get guidance on wholesale startup. And it's actually the first of a two-part series focused on the next level of wholesale. So if you've dabbled in this arena and are thinking of upping the game to get more or possibly larger wholesale opportunities in 2023, these next two episodes are coming to you at exactly the right time. Today's show is perfect as you consider how wholesale could fit into your current business plan and includes questions to ask yourself to decide if you're ready. Katie has helped numerous businesses find placement with well-known retailers like Anthropology, Target, The Container Store, and Starbucks. Even if you're not aiming that high, yet, 
Our discussion will give you a well-rounded understanding of what's involved with wholesale. I think you'll find it's not as out of your reach as you may have thought. Today, it is my great pleasure to welcome Katie Hunt back to the show. Katie is the founder of Proof to Product, a podcast host, business strategist, and community builder for product-based business owners. Katie brings experience, education, and a love of learning into her programs. She has over 20 years' experience teaching innovative business development and marketing strategies. Her strengths lie in connecting people and bringing ideas to life, brainstorming, making a plan, and executing. Katie, welcome back to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Sue, it's so great to be back. Thank you for having me. I know, back after how many years has it it's been? It's been a long time, and I think it's been <laughs> three or four at this point. Yeah, January of 2019. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if we could only go back then and rewrite I what's know. happened. <laughs> a lot has changed in that span of time, for sure. A lot has changed. So we definitely need an update from you on everything. But before we do that, you are so gracious to once again answer my candle question, because since so many things have changed, maybe your candle answer has changed. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. If you give me a peek into you through a motivational candle, what do you see as a candle looking like that represents you, Katie? You know, I was thinking about this, and I think it would have the message on the front that says, done is better than perfect. And it would have the scent of the ocean, and it would have just a simple glass vessel. And it would be a very simple thing, but it would be a constant reminder that my best is good enough and that what I'm working on is good in its own So the reasoning behind this is, you know, as we've mentioned, the last several years have been very tough for a lot of people, myself included. We were stretched in different ways. And I know that I have historically been a high achiever where I want to make sure that I do everything to the best experience level to as perfect as I can get it to. But at the same time, that sometimes holds me up in what I'm trying to do. It's not enabling me to live in the moment. It's not enabling me to make a greater impact because I'm hung up on some of the details. So I like to remind myself and I like to remind my clients that done is better than perfect, meaning let's keep pushing forward and we can iterate as we go. We don't have to wait for something to be the best thing we've ever created before we put it out in the world or move on to the next thing. I agree with that. I mean, I'm such a perfectionist and I know a lot of the makers who are listening are too. You want to tweak things and tweak things and tweak things and then it never happens. It never gets out there. Right. We hold ourselves back because we're seeking this perfection. But at the same time, we want high quality work. We take great pride in the work we do, which is it's necessary, but we can also iterate as we go. And that's what I keep reminding myself. It's a very good point. Yeah, we can always get better. And you know how they always say everything that you start is never as good as it's going to be a month from now or a year from now. And the only way you can get there is to start. Yes, absolutely. Love that, Sue. Well, speaking of starting and changing over the course of time, <laughs> give us an update on where your business has come. Gosh, okay. So we talked in January of 2019. At that point, my business was called Trade Show Bootcamp. We were focused on teaching people how to wholesale, but also exhibit at in-person trade shows. And we still teach that. That's still our core programming. But in May of 2019, I think it was May, we rebranded to the name Proof to Product. I felt that Trade Show Bootcamp kind of was limiting in terms of what we were teaching. We were teaching so much more than trade shows, but we started with that. 
And so after being in business for eight years, I made this really scary move to change my company name. And we changed it. We launched a new website. We have since gone on to launch a few more programs. And the whole goal of this rebrand was to better articulate who we're serving and how we're serving them. And so we work with product-based businesses, and we're going to help you take an idea from a concept to a physical product that you can sell in the world. And we're going to teach you how to wholesale if that's what you want to do. But we also have other educational programs that are going to teach you how to hire a team or manage your finances or just build more white space into your days so that you can do more of the work that you love to do. And so that was a big evolution in 2019 of this rebrand. It felt like such a big thing. I mean, to change your business name after eight years in business and you have a following, you have a reputation, people know your programs. It felt scary, but it was honestly the best thing that I've done. And I wish I would have done it sooner because this name better articulates what we're doing and who we're serving. And so, yeah, now we're proved a product. And since then, we did push a pause on our in-person events through the pandemic because, of course, none of us were meeting in person. We dove deeper into expanding our paper camp program, which is where we teach people how to wholesale. I haven't had the nerve to change the name of that one yet, even though (laughs) we teach more than paper (laughs) people. And then we also launched a program called Labs, where we help people streamline their operations. So again, kind of dipping into what revenue streams are working for you. How are you making your products? Again, do we need to bring on some help to support you? There's lots of different facets that we all have to navigate while building these businesses. And so Labs is kind of this place where we can experiment in different ways and try different things and collectively talk through, well, what's working for you? What's working for me? All of that. Yeah. So we've rebranded. We've added the new Labs program. But otherwise, things have kind of stayed the same. We've had the podcast and our paper camp program still humming Mm -hmm. along. So things are good, Sue. I appreciate you asking. Well, I love that, Katie. I mean, same focus. You know, you're working and serving Mm -hmm. the same people in new ways and different ways and lots of different options. So that is amazing. It does provide me initially a challenge like, okay, what am I going to talk with Katie about? She's got so many good things. (laughs) I know. I know. But I think what we've agreed to and narrowed in on is wholesale, because with a lot of listeners here, this is something that, you know, we've dabbled into, we've talked about how to start, we've talked a lot about pricing already for wholesale, we might get into that again, I don't know. But I know that there are still people who are interested, but it still seems fuzzy. The image and the idea and how that would possibly work still seems a little bit blurry and what would that mean to me, etc. So let's talk about all of that. Okay. Okay. So if we were to ground and talk about the fact that most of the people who are listening to us today are making a handmade product or have just started a business and they're still deciding, like, is it going to be direct to consumer? Am I going to sell to shops, etc.? What are the considerations that they should be thinking of in terms of whether they want to integrate that into their business? That's a great question, Sue. I would tell them if they're at the very beginning stages of this, I really want you to think hard about how you want to be spending your days. I know that sounds like a very weird way to start this conversation, but really we want to build a business that serves the life you want to lead. And so that means taking a look at how do you want to spend your days? And when we look at the different sales channels that are available to us, whether it's selling online through retail, whether it's going to retail craft markets, whether that's selling wholesale or licensing, we have all these different options, which is exciting, but it's also terrifying at the same time because it sometimes feels overwhelming of, well, which one should I choose? Which path should I choose? And so I think what's important to start with here is that selling direct to consumer, retail online or retail in a brick and mortar shop or even at a craft fair is a very different process 
than selling wholesale. And what I mean by this is the audience you're serving in these different scenarios is very different. The sales process itself of how you're collecting orders and shipping orders and all of that is different. The marketing that you will use when speaking about these different sales channels is going to be different. And so let me give an example. On the direct-to-consumer side, our handmade goods are evoking emotion. They're evoking a special connection for the person purchasing our items or purchasing our items to gift them to a friend or family member, right? Like there's a very emotional tie to that purchasing process. They're thinking about what they're going to spend financially, but they're also thinking about the end use of how your candle, for example, might fit into their home or how the piece of art that they're purchasing from you will be displayed in their friend's house. And so they're thinking about the connections, the emotional connections there. On the wholesale side, your customer is a shop owner. It's another business. So the things that they're thinking about when making their buying decisions are very different. They're thinking about the amount of shelf space they have in their store. They are thinking about what they will merchandise your products with to make a nice collection and display. They're thinking about profit margins and how much money they will make. They're also thinking about logistics, like how quickly will they receive product from you or how large are your products even? Will they be able to store it in the back room until they need to bring it out? So on the wholesale side, there's a much more logistical sales process where the customer is thinking about numbers and space and those types of logistics when making their decisions. So it's a lot less emotional than the direct-to-consumer side. So that's a big differentiator that I want to bring up. But also, wholesale is a volume game. When you're selling wholesale, you're selling more of your products at a lower price point. And so we don't necessarily need hundreds and hundreds of shops ordering from us, although that's many people's goals. But really what the goal is, is to get one shop that's ordering a significant amount of product and reordering frequently. So our end goals are also different there. So I bring this back to what do you want your life to look like? Because the way we create systems and sales services and processes in our business for direct-to-consumer is going to look very different than how we are going to do that for wholesale. And it's kind of like, which audience do we want to be hanging out with and talking? to and serving. And that's something we kind of have to dig deep on a personal level. Yeah. And this also brings up a point, and I know that this is going to separate some of our listeners here, is what is your product? Because if your product is a piece of fine art that sells for $6,000, you're not selling a hundred of those to your local boutique, for example. Right. Right. So is there a cutoff or is there somewhere where you would define for people to be able to say, okay, yes or no, my product is or isn't right for wholesale? Because there are some face, let's face it, that aren't. There are. There are definitely some products that are not appropriate for wholesale. So there's a couple of key things that you need to have ready with your product. One, I want you to have uh, manufacturing systems in place, like meaning I know your products are handmade, but do you have the processes? Do you have the steps in place to quickly and efficiently manufacture your products? Whether that's you making everything or whether that's you bringing in a small team to help you, do you have those systems in place? Because what I find with a lot of the younger businesses or people making handmade goods, they're capped at how much the capacity of how much we can make, right? And so we need to then create a system. Even if it's just us in our business, do we have a step-by-step checklist of how we create our product from start to finish? And some of these things may feel like overkill when it's just you and your business, but these checklists and things do make it easier for you to scale if that's what you choose to do. 
And by scale, I mean bringing on a team to help you continue handmaking them or finding different ways to streamline that system of creating your product. But back to your question. So there's a couple of things. One, we need to know that we can make the product in fairly quickly, if not in large quantities. It is expected when you're wholesaling that you will house inventory. You don't have to house a ton of inventory, but it is expected that you'll have inventory on hand. And then to your point too, some of the things that are more like fine art or high-end jewelry pieces that are one-of-a-kind, one-of-a-kind items typically are not appropriate for the wholesale market. The wholesale market needs products that can be replicated. So those are kind of a few barriers or not barriers, but guardrails rather. What would you say about one of a kind? I'm thinking of someone in particular here who makes like scarves and mittens and she has her own design of like a shawl cool. with a mitten, you know, just something different, but each one looks different because they're made from recycled sweaters, which is so fun. Oh, cool. So each one is different and it's considered one of a kind, yet you could sell them in bulk. They all just look different. So that would still be okay. That would be okay. We would just need to make sure that the messaging is very clear to the shop owners that these are handmade. Everything is going to have a slight variation to it, but you would still have many of the, we call them sales tools. You would have many of the sales tools in place for selling wholesale. So things like your minimum order quantity and your minimum order quantity per SKU. So thinking specifically about these scarves, you would still have a minimum number of scarves that they'd have to purchase, but you would just need to articulate that they're going to look slightly different because they are handmade and done as a single piece. They're not mass produced. Right. Okay. Anything else on the list of things we should consider, whether we would be thinking of doing wholesale? Yeah. So, I mean, I really want people to think about what, and it's hard because you don't know what you don't know. So I'm going to put a plug in here. I have a class that's called, Is Wholesale Right for You? And I also have it as a private podcast if anyone's interested. So I can get you the links if you want to plug them in the show notes. But that walks you through many different steps that you need to consider to decide whether wholesale is going to be a fit for you. But it ties to a lot of different aspects of your business. Your product, like we just talked about, your systems and processes, which we've also discussed, your pricing, which I know you've discussed on a previous podcast. So there's lots of different nuances that you need to consider before you jump into wholesale. And we've talked about the big ones already, but there are some other things that if we're going to dive deeper, I want people to think about. Okay, why don't we dive deeper here? And then I'll have a couple of other questions for you, but let's stay on topic with this. Okay. So the other thing to think about is the timeline. So when you're selling wholesale and you're selling direct to consumer, the timeline is different. So one example of this is wholesale buyers start purchasing holiday items as early as May in the year. And so you need to have all of your holiday items ready in May for purchase if you're going to capture those early buyers. But on the direct-to-consumer side, we're not really thinking about the holiday season and Q4 sales until even August, September, October timeframe. So there is a different timeline that we need to keep if we are doing wholesale. And again, this kind of goes back to what do you want your life to look like? Do you want to be designing things for holiday in May? Do you want to be having to balance the direct-to-consumer as well as the wholesale releases? Because there's, again, the different engines behind each one, the sales, the marketing, all of it. So there's the timeline, there's the product, there is your terms and conditions, which you would need to put into place, which intimidates a lot of people. 
having wholesale terms and conditions. There's a few key things you need to have. Like I mentioned, your minimum order quantity. That's how much money are they going to need to spend with you to place a wholesale order. There's also minimum order quantity, which is how many of each SKU are they going to need to buy. And that kind of leads into SKUs as well. Like you'll need to have SKU system, meaning item numbers for each of your orders. So there's a lot of nuance. I don't want to get too much into the weeds here if it's overwhelming your audience, but there's a lot of things that need to kind of be in place before we decide whether or not this is what we want to do. Yeah, there's a lot of structure and two additional tools that you would add in. But listening to you speaking, I mean, I think somebody who likes the structure, likes working with a schedule, likes the detail would be perfect for wholesale. I think so too. And one of the benefits of wholesale is you're releasing a couple times a year. You're releasing two to three times a year. Whereas I feel like on the direct-to-consumer side, people seem to be releasing new product either on a whim or around certain occasions. For those that really do like a schedule, to your point, Sue, they could easily make a schedule of when we're releasing, when we're in production, when we're in marketing. All of that could be very much more streamlined. Okay. And then how could this then balance against... If you also still love going to craft fairs, love direct-to-consumer, want to be able to continue to communicate with your customers and not just do wholesale, how do you balance those two together? Yeah, it's a tough thing to do. But one thing I always tell our clients, because majority of them do wholesale, but also do direct-to-consumer, I tell them to plan for wholesale because that schedule is further out. And then we repurpose some of that content and marketing and other pieces. We have to change the messaging a little bit because as I mentioned to you earlier, our audiences are different, but we basically repurpose that same information and that schedule on the direct-to-consumer side. So what this looks like in real time is we may put together, for example, a wholesale release schedule for let's say July. And that's because that's before the summer shows are starting for wholesale. And we're going to launch new product, but we're only going to launch it to the wholesale market at that point because some of that product isn't appropriate for direct-to-consumer yet. The timing isn't right with the occasions that are being sold. So we're going to put together our emails. We're going to put together some marketing stuff there, and we're going to release it. And we're going to release it on our wholesale platform so that it's available for sale. We're going to market it to our wholesale platforms to our audience. And then we're going to essentially take what we did there and just kind of restructure it for the direct-to-consumer audience. And we'll reuse that and share that information closer to the season that it's appropriate for. So for example, you know, if we're releasing to wholesale in July, that would most likely be product that we'd be releasing in Q4 to the direct-to-consumer side. So you can create these repeatable systems that make it easier for you on the marketing and sales side. With some tweaks in terms of how you communicate to a customer. Correct. Right. Versus the shop owner or a salesperson if they're buying for multiple shops and that kind of a thing. A hundred percent. But think about it. Like if we're taking product photos, we're creating the product before the July release. We're taking the product photos. Those same product photos can be used for the direct-to-consumer launch too, where we can put that in our email. We can put that on our social. And yes, the copy, the messaging will be tweaked for the audience. But a lot of the assets that we create for the wholesale launch can be used for the direct-to-consumer launch. Yeah. And what I'm hearing you demonstrating just by how you're talking is systems. What you talked about in the very beginning, when you have systems, when you have something that's repeatable, you can take certain things for wholesale, certain things for direct-to-consumer, but you've got a structure set up. So we're talking here and someone who's less familiar with both of the processes might think, oh my gosh, this is so overwhelming. It isn't when you have those things in place that you talk about and that you teach. Yes. And also to the people listening right now, if they don't have systems in place, I bet they have them in their head. 
I bet that they could tell you if you sat down with them and talked it out, they could tell you exactly the steps they took one, two, three, four, five to create their product or to load their product onto their website or to send out their marketing emails or whatever it might be. But when we run our businesses solo or we're young in our business, everything lives in our head. And that's totally normal. I have found that when we get things down in a system, on a project management system and a checklist, it could be on a piece of paper next to your desk. It speeds up the process of these things that we're doing repeatedly. And it also enables us to possibly bring somebody else into the business to help us at a later point. Yeah. And that's a good point. We talk about this a lot and there's a big level of friction with bringing someone else on because, you know, it's our product. We make it. No one can design jewelry like I do. Right. Yeah. But when you put the steps down, like you're suggesting, you can see that, well, maybe they're not going to be doing the actual designing, but maybe they're prepping things to be made or they're doing the fulfillment on the back end, which is shipping. And that there are a lot of things in your processes that don't need to pull you away from the creative if that's what you really like to do. A hundred percent. And it becomes really clear when you put it down on paper. Absolutely. And Sue, if I can share a a tool with your audience, we discovered this tool called Tango, which is a Chrome app that people can use. So if you are, for example, you mentioned fulfillment. If if you want to record yourself processing and shipping an order from your online store, you can use Tango to record your screen. And then Tango will map out the steps you took. I clicked here. I did this. I chose this. And it's not perfect, but it gives you a good basis point to then judge it basically to what your needs are. And so, you know, again, pen and paper on for certain things is going to be all you need. But if you're doing things on the computer and you want to be able to show somebody, we use Tango and we use Loom to record our screens and to showcase how we're doing certain things on our screens so that if somebody needed to step in and do it, they could. So we just, we download those, we save them in like a Google Drive or Dropbox so anybody can access them when they need them. And you never know when you need a backup. You know, when you need someone to come in. I've used Loom before, but I've never used Tango. It's pretty cool. I was impressed with it when I saw it because it gives you like videos and uh, text step by step. So it's pretty cool. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Okay. Somebody who is already really into direct to consumer and doesn't necessarily want to go full force into wholesale yet. Yeah. What do you think of like a medium range? Like starting wholesale, but doing you know, approaching local boutique shops in your area or some of the really smaller regional wholesale shows, you know, going there and and getting your feet wet that way. And maybe that's all you do. Maybe you don't go big because of the production issue. Yeah. But what's your experience with those? This is a common story. I hear frequently from people that are exhibiting at craft fairs and they're approached by someone who owns a local shop and they say, I would love to carry these products in my store. And honestly, that's where I get the email of, I don't know what to do. What do I need to prepare? How do I do this? Exactly. (laughs) I would love this opportunity. And so first off, I just want to answer your question briefly by saying it's totally okay to keep things small and it's totally okay to keep things local or to do wholesale at whatever scale you are interested in maintaining. But I also will tell you that regardless of whether you keep it small or whether you decide you want to approach the big box stores, there are certain foundational pieces that you need to have ready to even step foot in wholesale. Some of the things we've talked about already, but like we always start with your product. Is your product ready? Is it priced right? Can you manufacture it in volumes that will work for wholesale? Can you, is the packaging retail ready? There are certain things with our product that we always want to make sure we have ready, some of which we've already discussed. 
The next thing is the sales tools. So again, having a way for people to buy your products wholesale, making sure you have your terms and conditions, making sure that you have a catalog for them to peruse through. It can be a digital catalog, but they need a way to be able to see your products and know what it takes to order. And then we go into the marketing and that's where some of the messaging we talked about and some of the outreach that we talked about. Because even if people are starting to approach you at craft fairs, if this is something you'd like to do, you will probably want to start doing outreach at least to local shops or to whatever scale you're interested in. And so there's some key pieces that you need there to properly reach out. Do you feel you need to wholesale your whole line or maybe certain products like your best sellers or certain more popular scents or designs? I'm so glad you brought this up, Sue. No, you don't have to wholesale everything that you offer. You can offer a majority of your products only to the direct-to-consumer arm of your business and only have a select few that you offer to wholesale. Really, when I'm looking at my client's portfolio of products, oftentimes the decision about whether or not to offer it to wholesale boils down to pricing and profit margins and then also production. How easy is this to produce? And so with your audience with handmade goods, there may be a small portion of their product collection that they would feel comfortable wholesaling and committing to. And so I think it's completely appropriate for them to not wholesale everything that they offer to the world. Okay. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that reduces the overwhelm and the idea. And when we start talking production, I'm also thinking of people who are artists, you know, you have your original art, but maybe you sell prints. Yep, that's common. You know, a spinoff. Yeah, or even the larger custom piece or one-off piece is then the artwork is taken and used on prints, as you mentioned, but it's sometimes also used on other types of products outside of just a print. Sure, absolutely. There's options. What do you say, and this actually was a question that came up in my group recently, about what the retailer then would be selling your product for versus what you sell your product for at a craft show. Do they have to match? What's the conversation around that? I wanted to pause this discussion for a second to let you know that I recognize you may be feeling overwhelmed right now. I mean, I bring on great guests who are specialists in their fields, and we get into fabulous conversations that you know can help grow your business. So after the show, you have the full intention of grabbing a download making an adjustment on your website, or any number of other ideas that arise as a result of this podcast. But what happens? You get back to your other activities and the momentum you once had gets lost. What you've planned to do is forgotten. Then you feel bad because your business is going on as usual without implementing anything that you know would help grow your business. We're just too busy doing all the things, like a robot, moving from one thing to another without thinking. Because we have to. I get it. I've been there. But guess what? There is another way. Since I recognized this exact behavior in my own business, I set out to do something about it. And now, what works for me, I'm sharing with you. I formalized the process, and it's called the Inspired Daily Planner, made specifically for gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. But it's not your ordinary planner. First off, it comes with a video explaining my productivity strategy. Plus, it's not dated, so you can start using your planner the second it arrives at your doorstep. And that's not all. 
included for each day is a motivational message or business building tip and plenty of space to capture and book in time for to-dos, schedule appointments, and all those other ideas that are now getting lost. Think of it as a book and a planner all in one, yet compact enough to carry with you and resource as necessary. It's the perfect solution to truly act and move your business forward. Go to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash inspired to get your hard copy planner along with my Power of Purpose video that will set you on the path for true business growth. This makes a great gift too. So if you have a biz bestie, pick up a planner for them too. That link again is giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash inspired. Okay, let's get back to the show. Yeah, the conversation has morphed a little bit, but we used to tell everyone you must, the buyers will keystone your product, your wholesale price. So you set your wholesale price, they will set the retail price. And that still stands. You will still set your wholesale price and they will still set the price in the store. Where it gets tricky is when you're also selling direct to consumer and you're setting your retail price because we don't want to undercut our stores, especially if somebody is staying with a more localized wholesale base. That's where things get really tricky because you don't want to be selling something at a lower price point than what they're carrying it in the store because why would customers come to their store when they could come to you and buy it for less, right? Like we want to incentivize people to go to the stores. So I always tell our audience, our clients to at least keystone their wholesale, which means 2x their wholesale price. So if you're selling something for $5 wholesale, you would sell it for $10 retail, whether it's online or in person. I feel like in person is a little bit easier to make price adjustments just because it's not something that's offered to the whole entire world. It may just be for a day or two. It's kind of more of a show special. But in general, if you're selling online, your product should be at least Keystone. But it does get tricky because now most stores are more than Keystoning. More of them are having to two and a half X the wholesale price to store or to provide it in their store. So I think we need to be aware of it. I think it's something we need to pay attention to, but also it's difficult for us to manage what other people are charging in their stores and we can't control that. So I think if everyone just will, you know, at least two times their wholesale price in their retail shop, they should be fine. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. And, you know, you can also have a different version of your item, like what you sell to wholesale versus what you're selling locally. So at least it looks a little different. But just having the conversation and thinking through what your strategy is going to be. Look, it's not going to work in every situation either, right? Because stores will sometimes discount product or bundle things together or whatever they're going to do. You have no control over. So at least having a starting strategy makes sense. Yeah, Keystone's industry standard, but I will say that since the pandemic, stores are more than Keystoning most wholesale prices. Mm -hmm. So it just creates a little bit of like, oh gosh, well, we're not intending to undercut. So, but here's where the market is right now. So just Keystone everything in your retail shop. And I agree with you, stores are going to do what they do, whether it's discounting or bundling or whatever it is. And it's hard for us to manage that. And to some degree, we can't, you know, we sell them the products and then they can do what they want with them to some degree. Yeah. In my other business, the ribbon print company, yeah, we've always been very cognizant. Like I would never at a trade show want one customer coming up to the booth and talking to another customer because people come up over and over and see us and say hi and everything. Yeah, I would never want them getting into conversation with each other and saying, oh, well, I got it for this price and you got it for this price. Right. Now that does happen because if someone buys online versus coming to a show, but there's an explanation there. Right. Yes. So same yes. thing with wholesale, someone in a shop, you're still selling it 
to the shop owner, different product, different quantities, you know, whatever, but having some type of strategy that you can explain that makes sense. Yes. People can accept that. Yeah, absolutely. And I will make a mention too. I, if your audience starts working on multiple sales platforms for wholesale, like perhaps they're on fair and abound or bulletin, I do want to stress that it is very important that you have your wholesale price set at the same amount on each of those platforms, because we don't want to get into a position where someone can purchase something for a less expensive price on a different platform. It just gets complicated and it doesn't create a good customer experience for them either. Really good point, which now brings up a question that I wasn't even thinking about. <laughs> What's that? And that is, how do you balance like in-store wholesale versus online wholesale? Because that seems like a whole nother technique, if you will. Yeah. I mean, with the pandemic and everything, FAIR and some of these other platforms have been a huge benefit to a lot of makers across industries. And I think what I constantly remind my clients is that this is a tool and this is a tool that we need to leverage, but we also need to not put all of our eggs in one basket. So I still want them doing outreach to brick and mortar directly. I don't want them just relying on what's coming in through the FAIR platform. But one of the things I've seen that I am trying to discourage people from doing is I'm seeing a lot of people getting on multiple wholesale platforms and rather than just choosing one. And I think that that, as a, from a maker standpoint, from a manufacturer standpoint, that is a mistake. I would much rather people focus on one online wholesale platform and then layer in their existing outreach that they're doing and building the relationships offline with different people. When we spread ourselves too thin across too many wholesale platforms, it's one, difficult to manage on the back end. Two, I feel like we have less control over the relationship that we're building with these shops. And I think it's much easier to market to one of them or to tell our customers when we're doing our direct outreach. You can order directly by sending us an email or going to our own online store, or you can go to FAIR. But if we're having to say, go to FAIR, go to Tundra, go to Bath, like it's just a lot to manage. And so my recommendation is choose one of the wholesale platforms, sell through that. I do think there is opportunity there. I do think it is exposing a lot of really great brands to more shops that they may not have otherwise met. I think there's a lot of people who don't have the budget or the capacity or aren't feeling comfortable traveling still. And so they're not going to go to trade shows. And so something like FAIR has enabled them to really expand their reach. And I'm using FAIR as an example, but it could be any of the different platforms. Yeah. And I'm thinking this is very similar in when you're just selling on online platforms in general, like having your own website versus selling on Etsy or Amazon Handmade. Every platform, your own is a different one, of course. So Shopify or whatever you're doing is right. separate, but every platform has its own way of doing things, its own keywords or how you would advertise. And if you're on multiple wholesale platforms, you encounter the same thing, right? It's too much to keep up with. Yeah. The other thing too is, you know, they each have their own algorithms. We've seen this with social media, right? And if we're chasing algorithms, we're not focused on the main things in our business, right? Like if I'm just trying to game the system on Instagram or game the system on FAIR, I'm not able to do the deep work that I need to do to really build this business. It just means I'm catering to what everyone else wants my business to be. I'm letting FAIR dictate how I'm structuring my sales or how I'm structuring my shops. And that's never what we want. We want yeah. you in full control of your business and making those decisions. Control is the word for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
But each of these platforms also has different audiences. So you need to pick the one that aligns with your audience. And I think that's another reason why adding wholesale, if you haven't yet, and you've thought about it, is an opportunity because these accounts that you would then take on reach out to people that you don't have if you're at a craft show. Totally. So it enhances. There have been a lot of benefits. I mean, as I mentioned, people are getting exposure to new stores in different areas that they may not have ever come in contact with. They're able to showcase their products in different ways through different mediums. Like there are benefits to having these online platforms. I just find that people spread themselves a little too thin sometimes trying to do too many. For sure. So if someone's listening and they're thinking wholesale, just really quickly, a couple of points that would then they would raise their hand and say, yes, it's my time. It looks like I could do this. I know some of this will be a repeat, but just to circle this together so that people are leaving and feeling, all right, this is something I want to consider for 2023. Yeah. So if you have an interest in selling wholesale or you've had shops coming to you asking about your products and carrying your products, that's a good signal. That's a green flag that this may be something that you want to pursue. And in that case, I would look internally at your product first. Is this priced right? Can I create these products in a quantity that would enable me to meet these orders and fulfill these orders fairly quickly? Is my packaging retail ready? Would it look good on a shelf? Does it travel well in a box? Will it make it there in one piece? We need to look at those kind of things first and foremost. And then we want to move into our sales tools. What kind of guardrails do I need to put into place to make sure that this is an advantageous business move for me and my brand? So that's where things like our terms and conditions come into play because that's what sets the rules for your shops that are buying from you. That tells them how much they need to spend and how many of each product they have to choose. It gives them the price tag so that they know clearly what they're coming in and getting. It also, that's where you put your turnaround times and you articulate the uniqueness of your products and you talk about the different messaging points that we already kind of discussed in this episode. So your product first, your sales tools next, and then the marketing. And that's where really getting clear on who your customer is and the details that they need to know to say yes to purchasing your products is going to come into play. How we're communicating what we offer, the benefits and features, but mostly the benefits from a B2B standpoint, meaning business to business standpoint. And that's different than our direct-to-consumer audience like we discussed earlier. So Mm -hmm. just putting on your business hat and thinking about what do they need to know to place an order with me and how can I clearly articulate what that looks like. Mm -hmm. If all of this is sounding intriguing, but someone doesn't have all of this in place yet, that's where you come in and can help. Yeah, absolutely. We take you through all these steps. We teach you how to do it. We tell you what your terms and conditions should look like, the pieces you need to have in place. This is what we do in our paper camp program. It's a four-week intensive program, and each week covers a different aspect of selling wholesale. And it creates a really strong foundation. Our alumni are selling to independent boutiques in their neighborhoods. They're selling to large big box chains like Target and Container Store, Anthropology, and everything in between, you know. So really, these foundational pieces, these building blocks, as we call them, they're necessary if you want to sell wholesale to just a couple of stores or if you want to go bigger too. And nothing says you don't start, get your feet wet, see if you like it, see if you enjoy the structure. Because let's face it, our businesses are ours. We can do with them what we want, but this is a great path that you take them on to see if this works, get everything set up, and then go from there. And you know what? We have people that come through our paper camp program and they learn everything and spend four weeks hearing everything that's involved. And they walk away and say, nope, 
this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. And some people would say, oh my gosh, that's horrific. Like people sign up for your program and then don't take action. And I say, no, I would much rather they come and spend four weeks with us and a couple thousand bucks and like find out that this isn't the path that they want to pursue. I talk to so many people that spend years and tens of thousands of dollars trying to make wholesale work only to give up because they're exasperated by it. They feel like they don't know what they're doing. They're throwing spaghetti to the wall. They're making mistakes and learning on the go, which is a natural part of running a business. But at the same time, if you can have a guide to tell you what's all involved before you dive in headfirst, you can make informed and educated decisions for your business. And that's really what we want. Like I'm okay with people dabbling in things because that's how we learn and evolve. But at the same time, if somebody really wants to dive into wholesale, there are very specific things that they can do to make sure that foundation is strong and that they look professional and ready to roll, even if they feel like they're faking it behind the scenes. It's okay. They got all the direction and the not ready to roll is in their head, really, after they've gone through your camp. Yes. True. I would also suggest if someone is thinking about this, not sure if it's for them, but to go through a paper camp, maybe it's not now, but now you know what's involved so that you can start two years from now. You still sell direct to consumer for a couple of years and then you jump in because we never know what our future is going to look like. And so if there's any interest, you might as well learn about it and be ready and prepared. And I'm also thinking that some of the things that you put in place by way of structure are just good overall business practices, wholesale or not. Agree, Sue. I agree. I want to make one more point here too. If people are listening and they're like, gosh, this sounds so overwhelming. There's so many pieces. I don't know if this is something I truly want. Oftentimes, the friction comes when we're at a craft show and somebody comes up to us and asks, do you wholesale or do you do consignment? I would love to carry your products in my store. And our instincts in that moment are to say, yes, like, I want to do this. I would love to work with you, right? Just like if somebody comes up and asks us to tweak a product, we our instincts are to say yes. But I just want to remind your audience that it is 100% okay to say that's something we're looking into. We'd love to connect with you and keep in contact for when we do roll it out. We can say that's not something we offer right now, but we might in the future. So let me have your email address. We can say no, like it doesn't have to be a yes. If you're not ready to do it, you can tell them that's something we've considered and we may do it in the future and start to build that relationship. So it's okay to say not right now. It's okay to say no. That's not something we're pursuing right now. But I feel like when we're approached at a craft show in that particular situation in particular, like specifically, I've felt it myself where I've wanted to say yes to appease somebody or to because I was excited about the opportunity. But I just want to remind people that it's okay to say this is something we might be working towards, but not right now. It's a great response. And you're starting to build a list of people then, which would add excitement if this is something that you want to consider. You've already got a prospect list going who've already seen your product and could be interested. Exactly. So that's wonderful advice. Well, you know, our goal here today was to give, you know, it's kind of been coffee chatter back and forth, right? (laughs) Lots of tips, just regular free-flowing conversation, which gives everybody a feel for what wholesale is about. Like, you know, I think some things will resonate with one group, some things will resonate with other, but just a better look and understanding about what the mystery of wholesale is, because it really isn't a mystery. It's just a different animal is all. It is. It can be broken down into pieces just like direct-to-consumer. 
I'm a believer in getting one engine running, meaning one sales channel running really well that we feel confident about before we layer in something else. Mm -hmm. Because we don't want to be learning everything all at once. We want to be implementing and strategically building in our business too. So I hope this was helpful. I hope it gave people some insight to get going. We also have a podcast called Proof to Product. So if people are interested in learning more, we tell a lot of different stories and have a lot of our alumni on that show. So if this is something that sparked their interest and they want to hear more examples, real life examples, that would be a great place for them to land too. Perfect. Wonderful. Katie, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing everything you know about wholesale. It's my pleasure, Sue. Thank you for having me. What a great conversation we just had. To help you answer the question of whether wholesale is something that you want to pursue, you also got a great peek at life behind the scenes of wholesale. If you'd like a more formal review, remember Katie offered you her free video. It's called, Is Wholesale Right For You? And you can sign up and watch this over at prooftoproduct.com forward slash resources. If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to show support, a rating and review is always fabulous because it helps get the show seen by more makers. It's a great way to pay it forward. And there's another way where you can get something tangible in return for your support too. Visit my merch shop for a wide variety of inspirational items, like mugs, journals, water bottles, and more featuring logos, images, and quotes to inspire you throughout your day. Makes a great gift, too. And we've just added some new products for the season to the shop. Turnaround is quick, and the quality is top-notch. Nothing but the best for you! Take a look at all the options at giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash shop. All proceeds from these purchases helps go to offset the cost of producing the show. And now, be safe and well, and I'll see you again next time on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun, because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze. Today, 